If you added Justin Verlander back into the Mets rotation for 2024, would this team be a real contender? We're going to revisit the trade on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we're going to go through a hypothetical scenario. Would the Mets have still been a real contender in 2024 if they never traded Justin Verlander? In the first segment, I'm going to break down the impact he would have had on this current team if you just plug him into this roster. In the second segment, we'll talk about if the Mets would have won a World Series in the two years that they would have had Verlander had they not made the trade. And then in the final segment, we'll look into the future and explain why this still was a good trade as the Mets try to build a sustainable winner. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at FicklesteinRyan. I also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. I just spent a lot of time writing an article about today's podcast topic because I was just laying up in bed the other day and thinking about this Mets team, and I wondered, what would they look like if Justin Verlander was on this roster? Could this team actually have been a World Series contender? And so that's what we're going to explore today. Before we get into any of it, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right on new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. All right. So before we talk about long-term implications and what the Mets would look like in 26, 27, before we you know dive into the return with Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, what that can mean to the Mets, all that stuff, we're just gonna look short term again. The Mets used to be operating in a win-now fashion. That's what they were doing the last couple of years. And as much as they still want to win now, they're not all in to win now. That's what the trade deadline was about. And the Mets had a lot of different paths that they could go. And if you go back to the deadline episodes I was doing at the time, there was a part of me that was happy with the return for Max Scherzer. Thought, all right, just get what you can for Canna, for Tommy Pham, sell off those pieces. But... Hang on to Justin Verlander because you can still win in 2024 and 2025 with him. And while in retrospect, I love the deal. It is still interesting to think about what would have happened if the Mets didn't make that trade. So let's just picture this offseason plays out exactly as it already has. But you plug Justin Verlander into this rotation. What would that mean for this Mets team? Slides Kodai Senga to the two spot. Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga. That's a pretty good one-two punch atop your rotation. Jose Quintana becomes your three instead of your two. Luis Severino is now your four. Sean Manaya is now your five. Looking at that five-man rotation, here's what you know, really does impact everyone. It's the fact that Justin Verlander, you know, even in a, a quote-unquote down year last year where he missed that first month of the season, the guy still went out and posted over 160 innings at, at a low three ERA was still a really good pitcher. And I feel like you can count on to do that again. So if you had Verlander, that is just 
an assured 150 plus innings at best 180 to 200 innings low era an ace that can carry you and that trickles all the way down it takes pressure off kodai sanga he doesn't have to be an ace it takes pressure off quintana he doesn't have to be a frontline starter he's right in the middle at that number three spot and then you look at severino in particular imagine the addition then right now you're looking at luis severino and you're saying he probably has the highest ceiling in this rotation outside of Senga. If Severino is the guy that he was in 2022 when he pitched to the 3180 RA, okay, he could be the number two on this team. He also could be the guy that he was this past year in 2023 where he had a 665 ERA, and he might not be in your rotation. That volatility looks a lot different if you have Justin Verlander atop your rotation. And if he's being counted on as a number four starter, that could give you, you know, number two level production if everything broke right. But if he falls somewhere in the middle of what he was in 2022, what he just was in 2023, and he ends up where his steamer projections are for this season, which are projecting him to have a 4.28 ERA and 144 innings pitched, suitable number four starter. That's fine. Look at the projections for Sean Manaya. Now, I get the upside play for the Mets. They're hoping that he's more because he looked great in the second half. His velocity was up last year. He's now going into his second year working with driveline. They're hoping that this guy can really tap into more with his arsenal and, and you know potentially give them you know, production that's way better than his projections. But his projections have him at a 3.99 ERA and 148 innings pitched. So about a four ERA. Jose Quintana's projections for this season, 4.23 ERA and 168 innings pitched. Right now is presently constructed. You need two of those three guys to exceed their expectations or exceed their projections if the Mets want to be contenders this year. And that's also relying on Kodai Senga being an ace again. Now, if you had Verlander, you probably need one of those three guys to exceed their projections. And if you have them, you probably need at least two of them to, to sort of meet their expectations. Maybe one guy to exceed and one guy to you know pitch that four ERA and give you innings. Now the Mets sort of need all three of these guys to give them innings. And they need probably two of them to perform better than projections. You know, can Jose Quintana pitch to a 3-5 this year? I think he can. But projections think it's over four. Can Severino pitch to a 3-5? Maybe. Can Minaya? Possibly. I have more faith in Minaya and Quintana. Others might like Severino and Minaya. It doesn't matter. There's so much more strain on those three guys because you didn't get that frontline starting pitcher. And it doesn't appear like the Mets are going to add that frontline starting pitcher. And then it goes down to your depth pieces, right? The number five right now, it's up for grabs. It could be Hazard. It could be McGill. If the Mets want to go to a six-man rotation, both of those guys are in the mix. And then you have, of course, Lucchese's and the Budos and all the guys who are in the farm system with Christian Scott, Mike Vassell, and they might get you know well above expected contributions from a handful of those guys. Somebody might really shock us. Who knows? But in the scenario we have Verlander, all of a sudden everyone gets knocked down a peg, and Hauser and McGill are just straight depth. Neither of them are in your projected five-man rotation. So obviously if you had Justin Verlander, this team is way better. Way better. They have a much better chance to make the playoffs. But 
even with them, you still have a lot of questions. And would you say on paper, even with Verlander, this team is better than the Phillies? I might like Verlander and Sanga over Wheeler and Nola. But when you throw in Ranger Suarez and what they have in Philly in that lineup, it's hard for me to say, even with Verlander, the Mets would be a better team than the Phillies. So if your starting point is still the third best team in this division, why they would be a much better shot or have a much better shot at you know making a wild card, they still would be a wild card to, to get in. They still would be a team that you know really would need a lot of things to go right to make the playoffs in 2024. So the question would then become, between that one you know, crack at it in 2024, where again, odds are better, but still not great, and what they could put together around Berlander in 2025, would the Mets have won a championship in the two years that they would have had Justin Verlander? That's what I want to break down next. Before we get into that, though, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Whether it's passion, drive, or patience, the same ingredients that bring home that winning trophy are what keeps your ride or die alive. And that's why eBay Motors is here to provide you with everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level up to peak performance. Whether it's superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. If you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from, they'll make sure that your ride or die is covered. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. With eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all your parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Now, the reason why the New York Mets traded Justin Verlander is they looked at the investment they made in him, or at least Steve Cohen did. And he was spending all that money, $43.3 million a season for two years, plus the $35 million club option that'll invest if he throws 140 innings this year. He looked at that investment, and it was supposed to be for three playoff runs, and one of those was taken away in 2023. wasn't going to happen. Now we're saying 2024, even with them, it's more likely than not that the Mets would not make the playoffs. And if they did, still be a long shot that they win the World Series with the team that they have currently just plugging in Verlander. So could they win in 2025? Well, let's just say perfect scenario unfolds with the farm system guys this year. Okay, now remember, they don't have Gilbert or Clifford because those guys were in the trade. So Drew Gilbert might be a star with the Astros, not on the Mets now. Luis and Helicuna, though, could be their starting second baseman. He could have grabbed that position in 2024. Maybe best-case scenario, Jet Williams. Got a debut late in the season. Look great. He's your starting center fielder. Nemo's in left. All right, team's looking better. Guess what? Acuna had grabbed second base. That frees Jeff McNeil to be your right fielder. Marte is an expensive fourth outfielder slash DH potentially. Maybe they re-sign Alonzo. So you got Alonzo, got Acuna, Lindor. Still got the Beatty, Mauricio, Carousel at third. Maybe they address and sign Alex Bregman. Maybe they don't. We'll see how aggressive Steve Cohen gets with that pocketbook, knowing he has one year left of Verlander. 
at that time, hey, you know, also you have all those aces that are going to come up for grabs. Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller. Uh, let's see, Tyler Glass now no longer a free agent. You cross him off the list. Woodruff, conversation for another day. Zach Wheeler, that might be an extension, so we don't know. Max Freed, he could be a free agent. There'll be options. Let's say the Mets grab Corbin Burns. All right, well, now in 2025, you got a line that was fortified by prospects. Let's even say Christian Scott or Mike Vassell grabbed a spot in that rotation and holds on to it. Maybe David Peterson returns to health. All right, everything's breaking right for your New York Mets. You got Verlander, Burns, Sanga. It's a nasty one, two, three in your rotation. You got a lineup that's got a blend of youth uh, with the speed of a Williams and Acuna infusing life into that lineup, bringing better defense, just bringing some energy. Mauricio is healthy. Alvarez is going into year three. He's established. Maybe Beatty or Vientos had had figured something out in 2024. Everything's looking rosy for the Mets. That team goes out, and let's say they actually meet expectations. And they even win a division from the Braves. You still got to win in October. And as we've seen, it is a crapshoot to win in October. Could happen. You could come out. And the Verlander signing was everything to the Mets because they won a World Series in 2025. But more likely than not, they probably weren't going to win a World Series. Yeah, they have a way better shot at it, just like they have a way better chance to make the playoffs this year. But what the Mets did at the deadline is they turned the page to the future. And it's really hard in the present to appreciate that. It's going to be a lot easier in 2026, especially if Drew Gilbert's a superstar. Okay? We're going to look back at that trade and say, man, thank you, Billy Epler, for doing a deal with the Astros and getting value out of Justin Verlander when you did. Because now Drew Gilbert is you know, starting in center field. He looks amazing. Or starting in right field. And uh, he's one of the future stars of this team. Or already is a star. It's a great deal. But in the present, when you're staring down the barrel of watching a season where Luis Severino and Sean Manaya are your three and your four, yeah, it, it gets to the point where you look back in time and think, man, just imagine if Verlander was on this team. Imagine how much more fun the season would be that we're all about to watch. There's a reason why that guy got all that money. I'm actually working on, along with the story that I, I wrote about today's podcast topic, uh, I'm working on another one for just baseball right now. Uh, active MLB uh, pitchers who are on a Hall of Fame track. And of course, Verlander is on a Hall of Fame track. In that article, I did one on players earlier this year. Uh, I break down who's on a first ballot Hall of Fame track. Again, Verlander is the first name listed. He's the active leader in war. He's the active wins leader. He's 43 wins away from the 300 club. There's an alternate universe where Verlander stays a Met, becomes a beloved Met, signs another deal after this one to stick around even longer, pitches until he's 45, gets his 300th win in a Mets uniform. He's also got a shot to get to the 4,000 strikeout club, which is even more elusive. I think it was, was it Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, Roger Clemens, there was a fourth one that's escaping me right now. I'm sure someone, a uh, longtime baseball fan, would know it. But the bottom line is, you know, 
this is a guy that has a chance to etch his name in history in some places where people have never been before. Remember when he won his, what was this, 250, was it 250th game with the Mets? If I'm not mistaken, his last start, which is always going to be like a crazy bar trivia question for years now. You know, where did, did Justin Verlander win that game? Oh, the Astros. Oh, no, the Mets. Yeah, it's fun watching a legend pitch in your uniform. Wear your colors. And for the last couple of seasons, there's been a lot of incredible pitchers wearing Mets uniforms. Jacob DeGrom, the homegrown ace. Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. And that Kodai Singh is great, but his number two is not very good compared to what we've seen the last couple of years. I mean, I'd kill for Chris Bassett to be in this rotation. The Mets are in a much different place than they were a year ago. And it's tough to turn, it's tough to come to terms with the grips of that reality. I think that's why fans have been fighting it all offseason, waiting for that move that unfortunately never came. The guy Yamamoto, it, it would have reset the clock. It would have made it a win-now team. It would have given you the, the long window to win as well. It would have been the perfect addition, but it didn't happen. And so now you got a team that, hey, they might scrap some things together like a Milwaukee Brewers 2017-2018 club, win a bunch of games they're not supposed to. They might find a way. And it might be a really fun year. But when now, it left when Justin Verlander got traded. The good thing is that set up a sustainable future. And that's why the Mets made the right call by doing that trade. And I want to get into the positives of that deal in the next segment. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Now, before we get into Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford and the future of the New York Mets, a couple special announcements that relate to our Locked On Mets insiders. For those of you who aren't aware, we did a giveaway last week for a signed photo of Keith Hernandez through Subtext. This is our texting service. You can find the link in the episode description if you want to subscribe. And Ryan Orcutt won that signing. I hope I pronounced your last name right. I think I had the first name down pretty easily, Ryan. Uh, I'm sending that one out in the mail to you uh, today. So excited. Uh, that that giveaway went well. We're going to do more of them. I think I'm going to do one next week. I got to go through my closet, find the other signed photos. I got to have a couple more. So we'll be giving stuff away through subtext. Um, but I got a really special message from one of the Locked On Mets insiders. His name is Evan. Uh, he's a dad. He listens to the show every day with his 11-year-old son, Brennan. And I was blown away when I got his message because to me, that is the most awesome thing that I've heard. Uh, you know, I, I do this because of my dad. You know, when I was a kid, I remember all these conversations me and my dad had about the New York Mets. You know, when I, I traveled, I, I remember, uh, you know, we stayed at my my mom's, uh, my mom's mom, my grandma's house over the summer at the lake house. And, you know, we had the old phone on the cord. Brennan probably has no idea what I'm talking about. But I remember like my dad going through like the newspaper and telling me like what Cliff Floyd did when I was probably you know, around that age, even younger. So, you know, that relationship for me is what, you know, put me in the position to do what I do today. And I think it is awesome that Evan and Brennan listen to the show every day. It, it, it's seriously so cool that a tradition is forming around this show and, and I'm humbled by it. So I just want to give them a little special shout out uh, while they're listening today. So let, let's get back to the, the Mets content, though. I also will say, Brennan, 
it might be bad right now. As a Mets fan, sometimes you'll go through your lows. Trust me, I've dealt with a lot of them. But I think that you're going to grow up as a much better Mets fan under Steve Cohen's hands. I don't know how much you remember the Will Pond era. I mean, it's not that long ago, but trust me, you're in a better place as a Mets fan. Let, let, let's talk about uh, the Steve Cohen era, and that's building a sustainable winner, right? That's what that trade was about. That's why you give up Justin Verlander because you know you get back a couple of guys that can be a big part of your future. And look, with prospects, it's never a sure thing, okay? There's a chance that Drew Gilbert is never anything more than a fourth outfielder. Ryan Clifford strikes out 40% of the time throughout the rest of his minor league career, never makes it up, and it was a horrible trade. But right now, it's not trending in that direction. Drew Gilbert was awesome when he got traded to the Mets last year. With the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, let's pull that hat out. I got it right here. Those Binghamton Rumble Ponies, he had a 984 OPS. The guy tore the cover off the pole, and now he's going to start the year in AAA, which means, as David Stern said himself, he is one call away. So if Harrison Bader has a rough start to the season, guess who's coming up from AAA if he's hitting well? Drew Gilbert. And if Drew Gilbert is a star by 2026 or just ever becomes a star in a Mets uniform, that was a worthwhile trade. And even if he doesn't, if he's just a starting outfielder and Ryan Clifford you know, becomes a solid power threat, there's a much better chance that those two guys will contribute to a sustainable winner that gets multiple cracks at a World Series than Justin Verlander would have contributed to a winner that gets multiple cracks at a World Series. They might not ever amount to the value that Verlander can provide in a single season. But Justin Verlander, again, future Hall of Famer. They might not ever be the type of hitters that can lead a lineup the way that Verlander can lead a pitching staff. But you turn the page to the future. You acknowledge that it was not going to work, that the chances of winning the World Series with Scherzer and Verlander was slim. And look, the Scherzer trade was so much easier to stomach. You know, Not only was he declining right before our eyes last season, giving up a ton of home runs, he was dealing with nagging injuries. And then now those nagging injuries have turned into him missing the first half. And, you know, he did pitch in the playoffs last year, but not well and not a lot. So that trade's easy. And, you know, quibble about how good Luis and Halacuna can be. He's still getting, you know, pretty close to a consensus top 100 prospect or just off the list. I mean, Baseball America, I think, just left him off. Uh, you know, Prospectus had him in the top 100. I know it's just baseball. We've had him in the top 100. So, you know, the, most sites like Acuna enough to put him in, in the top 100. Great trade. No complaints about it. The Verlander deal is a little bit harder because, again, you could see the vision of what Verlander would have looked like in the 2024 Mets rotation, and it would have made a significant difference. But Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford seem to be two top 100 guys, and Gilbert's pretty much consensus now. He is your best outfield prospect, and he's probably starting for this team by 2025. So I think that trade was an absolute win. It's just going to force all of us to be a little more patient with this club moving forward. And that's how I see it. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. I appreciate all of you who tuned in. Back with another show tomorrow. If you're listening on the audio side, Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching on the YouTube side, trying to get to 8,000 subs. So I appreciate all of you. Hit that subscribe button. 
Uh, if you want to be a Locked On Mets insider, you can find the link in the episode description. Uh, and now that you made it to the end of the show, if you're watching on YouTube, or even if you're not, head over to YouTube and check out Locked On Sports Today, the first ever 24-7 streaming service or streaming show, excuse me, that covers everything in the world of sports. NFL playoff games this weekend, they'll have you covered over there. It's 24-7. They got the local coverage from each you know, specific team's host, like myself with the Mets. They have the league-wide coverage on each league. You can find Locked On Sports Today streaming 24-7 on YouTube.